So we have uh, about 45 minutes left for today. So I'd just like to summarize a little bit what we have been sharing with you over these two days. And especially, and I want to come back one more time to the map of the hindrances, and especially to the last of the six pictures, the, the, the clear mind, the, the true nature of the mind, which is just clear and serene, like the sky, and then clouds are passing by, you know, but they are adventitious, they are coming and going, just like the hindrances. And the true nature of the mind is always already here. But sometimes, you know, when, for example, living in the sunset, you might, uh, during the summertime, for two or three months, not see the clear sky, not once. But then in the autumn, you know, when the clouds are parting, it's always has been there, we just didn't see it. And the same is with the hindrances, you know. And then, you know, when the hindrances are in abeyance for a moment, or for longer even, you know, then we can see the true nature of the mind. And it is just like nothing. It's no thing. But it knows everything. And that's what this bowl is depicting over there, you know, on the poster. The, a man, as it says you know, in the scriptures, a man with good eyesight can just look into the bowl and see a clear reflection of his face in the bowl without any story added to it. You know, in these moments of clear seeing, that's what we are cultivating in the meditation by basically paying attention to it when it is, when it is apparent. And, you know, some times this is also called a taste of Nibbana, a little Nibbana. And Ajahn Buddhadasa was my first teacher, he called it little Nibbanas. And also Ajahn Sumedha was referring to it in that way. And that's a moment, you know, of clear seeing without any additions. And then what the practice is, is, you know, kind of towards is to increase these moments of clear seeing and you know and to have more of those moments through insight you know we are kind of dissolving the habitual reactivity you know which is is presenting itself as the hindrances and through seeing clearly and through not giving up and so, so kind of paying attention and not turning away. The hindrances, they are losing power over us. You know, it's, it's a lifetime's work. It takes a long time sometimes, a very long time. And that is okay, you know, because we have all the time we need to do this. Because as long as we are still identified with the hindrances, we get another chance because we're going to be... Uh, coming back, you know, after we die, because if that momentum is still, you know, living and, and present in the mind stream, then there will be, you know, the, the strength of that kind of delusion and desire and aversion will find another body and then kind of go through the same thing again, you know, until it's really all kind of cleared out. And, and there's this paradox and hurry slowly. We, 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 you know, there is a sense of urgency, but at the same time we need to take 
not panic and take care because if you're not really looking deeply, it's not going to be having any effect. So it's hurry slowly that what I've learned when I was in Thailand and uh, many, many years ago and it sounded kind of um, something, you know, I might understand at a later time and now I think I, I understand it you know, that it is really important to do what we can, but, you know, if if something is too much for us, then that's okay as well. To just kind of find that balance, you know, between really, uh, you know, giving ourselves to the practice, but at the same time also know when we need, a, need to step, step back and, and have a break, you know. So that's that balance, you know, between really, you know, kind of throwing ourselves into it and then at the same time taking care of ourselves, you know, not biting off more than we can chew and have a psychotic break or something. That's not really helpful. And, uh, you know, those seven factors of awakening, they are in direct opposition to the five hindrances. So when they are not there, then the seven factors of enlightenment, that sixth bowl of water, you know, with the clear water, that's uh, a depiction of the mind which is able, you know, to fully be with the experience, to, you know, be mindful of the experience. And sometimes it's just a moment, but you have many of those moments, and I think it's important to realize that, you know, so it's not something which is out of our reach at all. Because if we wouldn't have such moments, you know, in daily life, we go crazy, really. Because the mind needs needs to have this rest, you know. But it often escapes our awareness that this is what's happening. So it's really important to pay attention to it. And, uh, you know, the, the practice is really very simple. You don't have to do anything in particular. You can have whatever meditation object you're usually working with, you know, body breathing or the breath or metta meditation, any kind of meditation object is fine. And then, you know, those seven factors of enlightenment is just a way of checking, you know, the mind. For example, I'm sitting and maybe, you know, meditating on the body breathing and then at the same time I can, not thinking about it, but just recognizing, oh, you know, mindfulness is present then there is like an interest in, in the meditation is there. There's a certain amount of energy because otherwise it wouldn't happen. There's a certain amount of, of joy from coming from doing this. So it's, it's very simple. It's just, it's just a checklist, you know. It's not something you're doing, but it's, it's something you're seeing that it is happening. And that helps us to you know, to gain confidence that we can actually do that. We have everything what's needed, you know, for the path. Because we tend to have that kind of poverty mentality, you know, thinking everybody else, you know, is doing it better than we are doing it. And, and it just is a very good way, you know, of reflecting back to yourself that you actually have everything what's needed for the path. Because it's just part and parcel of being a human being. And it, it's, you know, it's given to us when we are born and in seed form and we just need to um, attend to it and, you know, make it stronger through the cultivated.
and uh, it's it's a conditionally related sequence. You know, once mindfulness is set up, all of the other six factors they will just arise. You know, like the same if you have a pot plant and you look after it, it it just will it will flourish. Same with the seven factors of enlightenment. You don't have to make it happen. This map is just you know one way of showing us how these laws of nature, how they work, you know. And sometimes if we feel, you know, not confident that we can actually do it, just come back to the map and, okay, and then you kind of see it again, you know, how it's happening and get, you know, more confidence that this is not rocket science. It just requires, uh, you know, a, a strong determination. Like learning to write and read. I mean, you can't imagine a little you know, child, how can it, how can that happen? But it, it happens every day, you know, it's not something which is out of our reach because we all did that. So if we can learn, read and write, drive a car, you know, go on a bicycle, learn an instrument, learning meditation is, is not different, it's just a skill. So it, it's not, not, not so difficult, actually. And then also what I find a very beautiful uh, encouragement, you know, it's in the scriptures, all things have liberation as their essence. So, you know, you can just start wherever you are. You don't have to conjure anything up specially in order to practice. You can just work with what's happening right now. For example, I have a hot flush right now. So... I'm just feeling that, you know, and I'm just breathing through it. And and I can learn from that. Or maybe somebody of you is bored or waiting already when I'm when you're finished and can go and have you know, meet somebody or eat something. You you don't need to uh you know conjure up any special circumstances in order to learn from it. You can learn from whatever is happening right now, some really big thing or some very small thing, it doesn't really matter. All things have liberation as, as their essence, simply because they are all impermanent, they are all unreliable and unstable, and they all are you know, not having an independent, uh, separate self. You know, and those three characteristics, all things share those three characteristics, the chair and the clock and the music and the sunshine and my hot flush and everything. So all of those things, you know, you just enter one and it shows you how everything is working actually. So all things have liberation as their essence. Our body, our mind, everything. And then, you know, if we can, you know, come up with the motivation, with the aspiration, with the energy to pay attention enough, then that process is, is happening by itself. We don't have to make it happen. We can just, uh, you know, jump on the so to say, you know, and allow ourselves to be carried, you know, 
more and more towards, uh, you know, that uh, goal of the practice, if there is any goal, it's, it's called, in the scriptures, called Nibbana. And what that means is, you know, to be fully open with our experience and not putting a story on top of it, you know, in terms of the five hindrances, but just have that clear, luminous, open mind, you know, which is just there with what is. It is not easy, you know, to really explain it, but you can taste it, you know, any time when the mind is not under the influence of any of the hindrances, you have that taste, you know, a little taste of Nibbana. And we are basically, we are collecting those tastes, you know, one after the next, not, not in a kind of a grasping way because that doesn't really work, but any time, you know, we, we notice it, it's just uh, accumulating, you know, and then the capacity to remember becomes stronger and stronger. So it's a training, as I said before, a training in, in, in noticing. Noticing when there is no hindrance present in the mind and noticing when there is a hindrance present in the mind. And then, you know, through that, the impersonality of that process reveals itself. And we have more and more strength, you know, to not get sucked into the story. But, you know, seeing clearly And uh, so, you know, what, what the practice kind of is, is producing, so to say, you know, if, it, if we can use that word, is, is a, a capacity, you know, for non-identification with our experience, but not, not being, you know, not being connected, but not taking it all so personal, you know. And then through that, you know, there is more space. And then we are, you know, less reactive. And then we have more capacity for wholesome relating, you know, to ourselves and, and to others. And, uh, you know, it's also a very beautiful um, description of what becomes clear, you know, through the practice. What becomes clear is that grasping is not done by a self, but rather the self is something done by grasping. You know, to understand there's nobody behind all of this who is wanting something or not wanting something. But, the, but it is the wanting and the not wanting which creates the delusion of a self. And I think that's very important to reflect on that, you know. Because it's not that we have to, you know, manipulate our way through life so that the self is pacified and doesn't want anything or not want anything. But it's rather to understand, you know, that this momentum, this habitual momentum of wanting this and not wanting that produces the delusion or the illusion of a self. And, you know, that's... It's not difficult to understand intellectually, but to really understand it and see that in your own experience, it can be very kind of mind-boggling. Because it's intuitively, you know, we, we do have that 
experience of that there is somebody, you know, sitting, I don't know, behind the forehead or behind the eyes, you know, in the driver's seat. But this is just like, it's a, it's a delusion, you know. And we don't have to satisfy this, uh, you know, little somebody in there, because there's nobody there. <laughs> And I think it's really important to kind of, you know, reflect on that from time to time and really let that sink in. It can be, it, it's really helpful. So grasping is not done by a self, but rather the self is something done by, the, by grasping, you know, and the grasping is that momentum in the mind, you know, which you know, it's called the three roots in the scriptures, greed, hatred, and delusion. You know, which, uh, which we can, through insight, we can diminish the strength of this, you know. So in the, in the beginning, it's like a wild, you know, white water, kind of wild creek, you know, with lots of foam and boulders and... And then, you know, as the practice continues, it, it just comes down the hill, you know, down the mountain, and then it becomes a creek, and then it becomes a river, and then it becomes a huge, huge river, like the Mississippi or something, and then it goes into the ocean. And so that's the, you know, in the beginning, the practice is very, very chaotic, maybe, and, and very wild, and all kinds of huge dramas happening all the time, you know, and then it just becomes more and more settled. And then the river kind of loses itself in the ocean. So that's, you know, how we could say, you know, that the self is, is kind of losing itself by, by reflecting on itself in this way. And then the, the momentum, you know, of greed, hatred and delusion, which are whipping it all up, you know, they, they start to kind of, uh, you know, they, they, they are transforming, they disappear. The energy is still there, you know, but it's, 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 it, it's released from, from those uh, patterns of greed, hatred and delusion. And then, you know, it, it, it's, it appears in those those seven factors of enlightenment or awakening, you know, they, that's a way how we can then describe what's left, you know. And, and you know, and, and what is understood more and more is the interdependence of everything, you know. Our interdependence with the environment, our interdependence with each other, our interdependence, you know, with the whole universe, with, you know, since the Big Bang, all of the elements which we are made up of, they come from somewhere, you know, from billions of years ago. And then, you know, the whole uh, practice, you know, even we are sitting here, you know, in this, in this room here in San Francisco, suddenly, you know, we, are, we know we are related to everything. And if we want to, you know, kind of develop those seven factors of enlightenment, if we want to find more peace, 
in our lives, we have to relate in a way which reflects that interconnectedness with everything. And and you know, and that kind of recognition of the, the vastness, you know, of of this enterprise, you know, we are part of. It gives this is very empowering and uh, it's quite you know awesome as well. You know, it, it can really be very inspiring and f- you know, feeling a, a, a sense of purpose, really, this journey, which we are all on, you know. An evolutionary journey and the meditation is, you know, a, a technology which can speed up the process, you know, and if more people would maybe do this, it, there would be maybe less, uh, you know, suffering on this planet and we would create less chaos, you know, as a human race being really good in making a lot of problems, you know, for ourselves and many other species, which is really kind of getting more and more crazy nowadays with the powerful technology, you know, which we have developed. So it's, it's a, it has, can have, you know, vast consequences to start this path because you start to see a lot, you know, if you want to. So, much more than just, you know, coming here for a meditation weekend. It's just like, it's, a, it's if you really meditate, then it just to, starts to suck in, you know, the whole of your life, because you can't just anymore, you know, pretend that it's only about pleasant and unpleasant feeling, this life. There's so much more to it. And, you know, then the sincerity of the motivation kind of increases and then it, it's easier also, you know, to just to, to let go of certain things, certain ideas, because you're not doing it just for yourself, you know, you're doing it for, you don't even really know exactly what's going on, but there is this intuition, you know, that this is much more than what, you know, meets the eye, which can just see the surface of what's going on here. And, uh, you know, it all starts by simply, you know, kind of, you know, becoming aware how your experience feels, you know, in your body, and then that's the first foundation of mindfulness. But just being with what's happening right now, don't have to have any special experience, whatever is happening is good enough because it, all things have lib- liberation as their essence. You know, small things, big things, everything the same, you know, in that sense. And then feeling tone is the second foundation of mindfulness. Pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. And third, mental state, you know, what are we bringing to our experience? You know, is our mental state influenced by greed, hatred, or Delusion is very difficult to see, but it's listed, and maybe you know one day we will be able to see it. And and the fourth one is then opening, you know, to the impersonal laws of nature. You know, doing their thing as body and mind, and as everything else around us, you know, and seeing that clearly 
it's you know those four foundations of mindfulness are a template you know to kind of find a, an inroad into this experience you know which is our life and which is the basis you know for the practice and then you know seeing these moments of uh, where the mind is clear and is not influenced by any of the hindrances and and seeing you know it's always already there and then the clouds come over again you know and then the path again and this is how it is you know, and the more you familiarize yourself with the clear with the true nature of the mind you know when it's just clear and open the more you will notice when the hindrances have arisen you know because it's you feel it, you know, you feel in the body there's a contraction or some kind of, you know, leaning, wanting or leaning back, not wanting. You can, there's just like more capacity to notice, you know. So, you know, we hope that this, these two days, you know, have given you some encouragement and, and some, you know, little insights in that you have all you need, you know, for this journey. You just need to cultivate and look after it, you know, like you have a car or something. You have to look after the car, otherwise it's going to kind of, you know, break down. The same, you know, with, with this uh, equipment which we already have. We, we need to hone it, you know, we need to look after it and take care of it and make much of it and it will do the job for us.